You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his latest film, Music Within, our guest today, director Stephen Sawalich, follows the true story of Richard Pimentel, the brilliant public speaker with a troubled past who returns from Vietnam severely hearing impaired and finds a new purpose in his landmark efforts on the behalf of Americans with disabilities. Music Within won the Audience Award for Narrative Feature Film at the AFI Dallas International Film Festival. Stephen Swalich, welcome to Film School. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Are you up in L.A. right now? I am in Los Angeles. Uh, how's the smoke there today? You know, I think it's getting better. Oh, good, yeah. Same same down here. It's just been uh, I, it's a nightmare horrendous. of sorts. Yeah. My, my producing partner on the film, he was actually evacuated from his house yesterday. Oh, no. Everything all right? Yeah, made it through the night at least. Oh, that's good. Was he in the Malibu area? He was in Valencia. Valencia. Oh, man. Yeah, so there's... that kind of the third or fourth fires that started up out here. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it started in the morning and um, said, oh, there's no need to worry. And then about two hours later, they fire trucks and police were driving down the road. It's been tough times here. We'll be back with our fire coverage after this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our 24-hour yeah, exactly. fire coverage. How did you uh, first run into this story with uh, Richard Pimentel? I met Richard about eight years ago, uh-huh. and I met him through my stepfather, and my stepfather actually is portrayed by Leslie Nielsen in the film. Of, oh. He fits in with hearing aids. Ah. Oh, okay. The ones and that work. I, I was at a conference that Richard was speaking at, and the speech that he was giving was his life story. And he incorporates it with disability in the workplace. And he just had this amazing ability to take you on this roller coaster of emotions where, I mean, one minute everybody's laughing hysterically, and the next moment it's dead silence and people are crying. Oh, really? And yeah, so and I was just, as he was talking, I was kind of picturing this story in my head, and I'm like, wow, I'd make a really good film. And mm-hmm. I went up to him after, and I told him, you know, I, I want to make this into a movie. And he's like, first of all, who are you? And second is, why do you want to do that? And I was like, well, the same reason you talk about it. It's a great story. Yeah. You know, before I forget, I want to ask you about the the hearing aids Uh that he was fitted with there. You say it was your father? Yes, stepfather. Stepfather. What's different about those? Those are uh, strange little contraptions. Yeah, it's amazing the technology they have out now, and it's you know, develops every year. The hearing aids Richard's wearing now are about the same size, and it just really helps his his hearing loss through the frequencies that he hears, and it can tell if he's in a room that's a small room. It can tell if he's in an auditorium. It can tell if he's in a restaurant with a large crowd or a small crowd, and it adjusts accordingly. Yeah, that's amazing. It was a great scene in the movie where uh, he's he's getting his hearing back after all he went through. Yeah, Uh, it's amazing because it's just instant. Now, you know, right at the beginning of the film, I'm watching this. Is it true his mom had seven miscarriages? Is is all that pretty much accurate, what's going yeah, on Yeah, there? that's all accurate. She had um, four before him and three after him. Wow. And she actually believed that she lost him as well. Yeah. What a way to start your life. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was. We actually, there was the mother scene 
scenes with his mom were a lot more in the film, but a lot of people just wouldn't believe that somebody would act that way towards a, their own child. So you found yourself looking at those, and was it uh, you made the decision to edit it out, or were other yeah, people? Yeah, uh, I think the best tool for a filmmaker, especially a first-time director, is show it to as many audiences as you can, because that's where you'll get the best feedback. And you can sit in the room, and you can just feel where something's slow or they're not reacting well to something. So I think that really helps. Even though it was true, the, the bit about uh, his mother was just too unbelievable. Too to... unbelievable. She actually she left him when he was about 13 and just yeah. told him, I'm going to live in Nebraska with her boyfriend. And he said, I don't want to go. And he's like, well, you don't understand. You're not invited. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, Rebecca de Mornay in that right. role. How did she take it when you were uh, with her explaining that role? How did she react <laughs> to being a mother like that? It was kind of the same thing. It's hard for anybody to understand that she really did a lot of research and met with a lot of people about certain disorders that would cause that. Besides Richard Pimentel, we are, we're introduced to a couple of other characters uh, in the film, both of which I thought did a terrific job. Uh, Michael Sheen was, uh, was wonderful. Yeah, Michael uh, plays Art Honeyman, one of Richard's best friends that has cerebral palsy. Just a little moment of on the characters, nobody could understand Art except for Richard because Art made this high-pitched, guttural, wheezing noise when he talked, and that kind of masked his voice. And the reason Richard's the only person that could understand him is he couldn't hear the higher frequencies. Mm -hmm. So all he heard was Art's voice. So he didn't hear that high-pitched, wheezing noise. And Michael <laughs> Sheen, you know, did an amazing job. And we we're kind of predisposed to cast an actor that had cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. So we auditioned actors that had cerebral palsy than those who didn't, and it was really about finding who could portray art as a person mm -hmm. and not just as cerebral palsy. And that's what Michael did brilliantly is art's cerebral palsy is just one of the many characteristics of Art Honeyman. Right, and I, I was just going to say there is a there can be a tendency on the part of actors to overplay the the illness, um, right? And it, you lose some character when you do that. And I thought he uh, Michael did a good a very good job of maintaining a, a character we could relate to and understand. And he was terrific in it. You said that you auditioned some actors with cerebral palsy. Yeah. Did they have it as badly as uh, Art Honeyman's character did? Um, some did and some didn't. Yeah. We saw a wide variety of actors that had the cerebral palsy. Some would play it up and some would play it down, but most of them all came in and they just couldn't capture art. As, yeah. as you see in the film, art's a very witty and funny person. And it was really, for me, it was about finding who he was and yeah. not just showing his disability. Yes. Excuse me for dwelling on this, but I just find it fascinating in, in the uh, the audition. Was was it uncomfortable, or how did that audition go? Did they uh, Was it just pretty much like a regular audition, except people had cerebral palsy and they sat down, or was it was were there awkward moments? It was really, in the most respect, a, just a normal audition, and because yeah. um, we you know brought them in with all the other actors, we would read you know, five different roles in a day. So it was kind of like, all right, you're, you're going to be reading for the character of Mike now, and then somebody come in and read for art. Yeah. But for me, the first few, it's it's tough yeah. because they all come in as art. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was about, for me, finding out who they were and 
realizing where I could take them. Yeah. If they had cerebral palsy, I didn't say, well, could you do that a little bit less or, you know, and if yeah, that was yeah, them. Or, yeah. So it was really about finding that common ground and uh, letting them play the character as they saw it and then giving the notes after that. Was there any relationship formed between the people who auditioned who had cerebral palsy and Michael Sheen to learn from them? Once we decided on Michael, I met with the heads of United Cerebral Palsy. And we brought Michael over there, and he really uh, went over there for a few days to learn and just become friends with a lot of the people there. Mm-hmm. And then Michael's greatest tool was going up to Portland where we shot, and that's where Art Honeyman lives, the character. Right. Uh-huh. So he really spent about two weeks with Art up there and just getting to know him and going around town with him. Michael, when he was in L.A., I sent him over a wheelchair and he would kind of go around the streets in a wheelchair and really realize what it's like to be a person with a disability. And he was talking about how he would come out of his apartment, he'd go to the curb and he can't cross the curb, so he'd have to go around the block find a curb that had a wheelchair ramp yeah. or an access dip in it. And so he, he would really started to feel what it was like to be in a wheelchair, especially trying to go into restaurants or moving down through aisles. We're speaking with Stephen Sawalich and his film Music Within. There's a couple of other characters who I really do want to get to, the character of Mike Stoltz, yeah. which uh, is portrayed by Yul Vasquez. He portrays an angry Vietnam veteran um, who, who is determined to get uh, work, employment. Yeah, Yule's that just funny, stringy, wiry, you know, ready to start a fight at the drop of a hat kind of kind of guy. And I met Yule in New York when I was at a play that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman directed. And Yule was one of the leads in the play, and we were watching it. And he was just this, uh, it was a play where Yule was, uh, he was an attorney, and he was just full of energy and going 110% for the whole, you know, two two hours that he was on stage, and, you know, it was just amazing, and it was like, something I just saw in there, I was like, that's Mike, mm-hmm. and so I went up and talked to him after, and he read the script and was on board. You know, Mike's a very interesting guy within himself that Unfortunately, as you see in the film, he you know, drinks himself to death, but yeah. Yule really brings a lot to that table and is that character that most Vietnam veterans came back as, you know, bringing part of their war experience home with them. Right, right. And the really, uh, someone who was a revelation to me in the film was Melissa George. She, uh-huh. she was uh, terrific in, in the role of the girlfriend. Her agents read the script and really responded well to it, and I didn't really know Melissa George that well. I was never, I never watched Alias, but I went, oddly enough, that night to see the new Amityville Horror that came out with uh, Melissa and Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, we received a call from Melissa's agent asking if she could come in and meet with us for the part. And I was like, yeah, she was great in that film. I loved her. <laughs> and so she really came in and just exuded what Christine represented, that kind of 70s free love and independent, strong woman. A certain openness. and Yeah. Whatnot. yeah. And she, she did a fantastic job. We're speaking with uh, Stephen Swalich. The film is Music Within. focuses on Americans with disabilities. And I was wondering, have, have you screened it for an audience that is... Uh, made up of many Americans with disabilities. 
Yeah, um, for the past eight months, American Airlines has sponsored the film, and we've taken it around the U.S. to the various disabled and veteran organizations. We had a screening at the Library of Congress for the various congressmen and women who authored the ADA and passed the bill. And so that was like Tony Coelho was at the screening, and he's the one that wrote the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. And he was just speechless after the film. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and we've had a lot of screenings through the American Airlines with all these organizations, and it's just really great to hear their reactions and to hear how much they appreciate the film because it's a certain part of their history that they don't know as far as how that movement came about. Sure, sure. By the way, we left off the uh, the lead actor in discussing these people. <laughs> well, who I think, yeah, I think is terrific. He's been terrific in a number of films. I think he was a, he really uh, did a great job of, of being Richard Pimentel, and that's Ron Livingston. Were there any other other actors under consideration, or did he pretty much have the script? Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Ron since Office Space and Band of Brothers. I had a connection to his uncle, and so. We um, sent his uncle the script, and he called Ron up, and he's like, hey, I've got this script, you know, that this, and Ron's just like, great, the kid down the street or something sent my uncle a script, and now he wants me to be in the movie, but uh, he sent Ron the script, and I sent it to his manager and agents as well, and they responded really well, and a couple of days later, we were meeting with Ron, and Ron actually worked, his uncle sells hearing aids, oh, yeah. and Ron used to work in his uncle's store when he was in high school. So he kind of had a personal connection to the story as well, and we met with him, and then I introduced him to Richard, and you know, after that he was on board and uh, willing to do whatever it takes. Was this a film that was particularly difficult to raise money for? Yeah, I mean, every time in, in somebody says a disability film, like, oh, you know, red flags go up and, you yeah. know, movie of the week or yeah. kind of hit you over the head with a message, and yeah. that was important for me not to do that in this film mainly for a couple of reasons. One is Richard always lived his life by finding the humor in every bad situation he was dealt. So every time you think the film's going to go dark or depressing or preach to you, we kind of flip it and show the humoristic side of it. And for me, it was about, it's not necessarily a, you know, Richard's not really a crusader in himself. He's more of a guy that was trying to find who he is as a person. And his whole journey was, to do that, and you know, the, the disability movement just kind of was a res- result of that. But it was about the friendships and the relationships that he's formed along the way. So I think that's where a lot of people can relate to it. Have you been in touch with him uh, recently? Richard or Ron? Richard, I'm sorry. <laughs> or both of them, what the heck. But Richard I was talking about. Yeah, no, Richard, um, we speak to quite often. And what's his reaction to the film, and, and how does he feel about things? It must be nice to see his life portrayed this way. Yeah, it is. I think it's a little weird for him. Just as an example, as we've had quite a number of screenings that Richard's been at, and we'll do you know Q and A's after. But well, I've seen the film a hundred times, and I kind of leave during the screenings. But Richard always stays there and sits in the sits in the audience and watches and just kind of loves to see people's reactions. So he what, kind of he really enjoys it. What is he doing now? He is still a motivational speaker, mm-hmm. so he kind of tours the country speaking for various corporations. He's He did a lot of work after 9-11 for a lot of the companies that were in the Twin Towers, does a lot of training for uh, disability as well. So he continues to uh, 
speak on behalf of Americans with Disabilities. He does. Does he have a favorite part in the film? (laughs) You know, I've never asked him that. I enjoy when he comes on with the Art Honeyman character, with Michael Sheen. Uh, yeah, I I like those scenes well, probably the best. I say they're, they're all they're, there's a good sense of humor running through the scenes for the most part, and and I think that really kind of carries the film along too. If you can Thank you. Yeah, follow it's them together, a different take on the buddy film. And... Yeah, what was his reaction to them? Does it, do you think he uh, feels that, that he, you captured it? Yeah, he does. Him and Art uh, were talking up in Portland about that. We had a screening up there a couple of weeks ago, and you know they think it's just amazing and kind of a wild ride that they've been on, and just oh. to see their experience on screen, it's been fascinating to them. And I think a lot of people have responded well to that dynamic that they have on screen. So it, those are my favorite scenes as well. Is ones that Richard and Art are in, and I think the greatest compliment that Michael received was Art, after watching it, said it was like watching himself up there. Wow, oh, that's terrific. Jeez. I'm going to switch topics just a, uh-huh. a little bit here. The, this film has taken the festival route. How was that experience for you as a filmmaker? Progressively better in the sense that the first few screenings, it was just, uh, it was about nervous panic attacks and wondering, like, <laughs> Is anybody going to enjoy the film? We Our first uh, film festival was in Palm Springs at their International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. That was wondering, just, is anyone even going to remotely enjoy this film? And it was great because I did one short film right out of college quite a few years back. The one festival I put it in was the Palm Springs Film Festival. So it was kind of great to bring back my feature film there. And we were... we received a standing ovation after our first screening, and we uh, received Best of Fast and was the top, highest-rated North American film. Oh, that's terrific. The reason I'm asking about this is increasingly, as we, the filmmakers we've had on the program Mm -hmm. here on Film School, increasingly you're seeing documentary and independent filmmakers really finding that as the best route to a theatrical release. and uh, Yeah, we, after our AFI Dallas uh, Film Festival, that's kind of where we started receiving our notice was just by the few festivals we're in and you start hearing, the, you know, it, it's a weird circuit where a lot of the same films will be in the same film festivals so you get to know hmm. the people and um, you can garner a certain buzz by that and film festivals are great for a filmmaker because, like you said, it's it's a, it's a platform to show their films when they don't have a, a um, domestic distribution yet. And is is that where you picked up the distribution after the festivals, or did you already have something sort of lined up? No, it was after the festivals. That's where MGM kind of took notice of the film and uh, really started to champion getting it in the theaters. And this whole thing has sort of exploded. It's gone beyond Sundance and uh, uh, Telluride and, and, and a few others. Now it's there's you could be at a festival almost every week now, couldn't you? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I get emails all the time just of all the upcoming film festivals, and yeah. it's like 30, 40 a day, yeah. well, which is great because, I mean, there's certainly enough product out there, and obviously the attendance is doing well, and people are supporting the independent uh, filmmaking world. Yeah. No, it, it is good to see. It's good to see another sort of distribution um, stream for people who are interested in independence because, let's face it, many of the films – just don't have that kind of box office potential, right. and for them to be seen, this may be increasingly where people will get the opportunity. Yeah, because I've seen some amazing films that 
just never received distribution. I always wonder why, because they'll win the festival or have such a great following. But it's just, you know, certain people look for a certain commerciality in a film, and those, unfortunately, don't have it, but they're still, you know, quality films. Yeah, well, how many times have you heard of the Palm Board yeah. Yeah, at the uh, Cannes Film Festival right. will yeah. end up not getting distribution within the United States, which is just mind-boggling to exactly. me. Exactly, yeah. and, you know, a lot of films yeah. you'll see, and... And yeah, and then some films you'll see that have distribution from there, and you'll be like, wait, how did that get it? The other <laughs> film didn't. Well, you know? well, this is a terrific film. Uh, it is opening up uh, this Friday in Los Angeles, Music Within, and the filmmaker is Stephen Sowalich. Thank you so much for joining us here on Film School. Thank you, guys. To learn more about Film School... Listen to more interviews or subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.